1: All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about two fascinating uh, cases of suicide. Um, one that's occurring, well, <laughs> that occurred, actually, uh, July thirteenth, 2014, but what's occurring now is a trial um, in Boston, uh, the trial of Michelle Carter for involuntary manslaughter for having convinced her boyfriend, Conrad Roy III, to commit suicide. This is really an amazing, amazing case. Um, (laughs) I mean, it it seems pretty obvious to me that, well, first of all, she incriminated herself in in countless, in hundreds, hundreds, literally, of texts in which she was convinced, trying to convince him to commit suicide, which he ultimately did. And so um, the question is, is encouraging suicide a crime? And that's what we're going to be talking about today with my guest, John Michael Williams. He is a filmmaker from Boston. And he um, has made a number of films, um, but the most relevant to what we're talking about today uh, is one in which he studied for five years the town of Bridge End in Wales, in which there were um, countless uh, hanging suicides. I mean, the the tally uh, keeps increasing. So I'll I'll leave it to him to tell you about that, but. But we're going to start first with the um, case in Boston. Now, uh, Michelle uh, Carter and Conrad Roy III met, unfortunately for him, uh, in Florida a couple of years ago in 2012, and um, they were both visiting, they were both from Massachusetts, they were both visiting relatives there. They live... Um, or lived I should say fifty miles away from each other in Massachusetts um, and yet really they um, didn't they, they, they were boyfriend and girlfriend, so to speak, but really their relationship uh, once they got back to Massachusetts only consisted of uh texts and emails and um, it, which is very strange since they were only fifty miles away from each other. But in any case, um, we're going to talk about some of the some of the um, uh, emails or, or texts that Michelle sent to him. She he he actually had some psychological problems. Um, he made a suicide attempt with acetaminophen um, two years approximately two years before the more definitive, shall we say, suicide attempt. Um, and, but, you know, when you make a suicide attempt with acetaminophen, that's not really a super serious attempt. Uh, Obviously, he was depressed. He went to a psychiatric hospital after that, and he was diagnosed with depression, um, but and she apparently was attending a psychiatric clinic with. And so far, I haven't been able to find in the media what diagnosis they've given her. But my diagnosis from everything I've read is borderline personality, borderline and narcissistic personality disorder. But well, we'll talk more about that. But in any case, um, she. Uh, for her own gratification, she talked this vulnerable young man into committing suicide and um, and then uh, tried to get lots of attention for it, even staging a, a, um, um, a fundraising event to give money to mental health uh, causes and so on. But really, um, as some of her friends have said, these are crocodile tears and just a way to get attention for herself. So, before further ado, and before I tell you some of the, well, maybe I'll give you um, a little, uh, <laughs> a little tease about some of the, some of the uh, um, messages that she gave to him. Um, I mean, they just went on and on. There were hundreds of them that went on, including the day that he finally committed suicide. In fact, he would go and walk his dog, and she would tell him that she wanted him to, you know, are you going to do it now? Are you going to do it now? Uh, he went to the beach, and she would, continue. Are you going to do it now? Well, you keep giving excuses. Why aren't you doing it now? Then he wanted to take his sisters uh, for ice cream. When it, well, when you get back, you have to do it right now. I mean, <laughs> that's just the day um, that he finally did do it. He committed suicide by uh, carbon monoxide poisoning in his truck. He arranged, he set something up so that that would um, get into his truck and he parked into a parking lot of a store and uh, did it then, but it was just it was just an unrelenting series for um, for weeks at least, uh, telling him you know let's say for example, but I bet you're going to be like oh it didn't work because I didn't tape the tube right or something like that. I bet you're going to say an excuse like that. You seem to always have an excuse. <laughs> then then she suggested that if that didn't work, try the bag or hanging. She was determined to have this boyfriend, the man who, um, in other texts, she would say, I love you, you're my boyfriend, I'll always be there for you. She's telling him to commit suicide and saying at the same time, I'll always be there for you. Well, that's uh, enough of an introduction. Let me introduce my guest who, um, by living in Boston, has even been more immersed in all of this um, than the rest of us has. So, John Michael Williams, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show.
2: Let's, um, now, of course, this particularly interested you because of the uh, documentary that you did uh, on Bridge End, which, which we're going to be talking about later on in the show. But um, tell, tell us how, you know, how this broke into your consciousness and what's been going on from your uh, up-close and personal view.
0: Well, this is a strange one. Um... And and for me to tell you exactly how strange it is, I do have to sort of reference my film, Bridge End, sure. which anyone can see on Netflix. Uh, Ninety-nine children in the past five years uh, were found hanged in a small town about two hours west of London. And I spent almost five years piecing together the story, figuring out who the victims were, why they committed suicide, why it happened, talking to their families, talking to their loved ones. And what I never came across was anyone encouraging anyone to commit suicide. So this case in Massachusetts of Conrad and Michelle is particularly horrifying because you can only hope when someone reaches a point of desperation or despair that they're contemplating suicide, that they might seek help. And here in Massachusetts, we have the case of a young woman relentlessly encouraging and goading him into doing it and trying to convince her boyfriend that he, they will be better off if he will be happier and she'll be happy and she'll be his angel and he'll be her angel if he would just kill himself. And it, it's, it's horrifying. Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist, but, um, you know, to me, she's, she figured out a way to... Really, she figured out a way to murder this kid it, yes. without, without doing it herself. She, she used his fragile state of mind as a weapon. Yes. So even though she didn't pull the trigger, so to speak, she, she used his weakness to undo him. And I really, I, I mean, I, she's, she's a sick, in my opinion, she's a, a sick, demented. What kind of a person does that?
2: Well, now, have you um, heard anything about, oh, first of all, do you know anything about why, um, even though they live 50 miles away from each other, that they didn't see each other, even their supposedly boyfriend and girlfriend, and why didn't they see each other after they came back from uh, Florida?
0: But, well, some of this is anecdotal. Some of it's what I've read. Also, I have a sister who's a psychotherapist, and we had discussed this briefly, and um, I don't I don't think it was probably... I, I don't think her attachment level... I think your diagnosis that you sort of mentioned early on that she's borderline personality and... Um, narcissist. A narcissist. I, I don't think she was truly... Uh, you know, clearly she wanted him dead. I, how attached was she to him? So I don't think the attachment was there. And I, I think that... It reminds me, and you would know more of this, but I remember reading an article once about Munchausens and Munchausens by proxy, and there Mm -hmm. are people that will actually make themselves sick to get a certain kind of attention, or they'll make someone else around them sick, and they like a mother will make her child sick, and then she gets attention from the hospital and the doctors it feels like a version of that, that she wanted this boy, to, she touted him as her boyfriend and wanted him to commit suicide so she could then use that event in a way to shine a light on her. and yes. her, And uh, it's crazy.
2: Well, 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 what, I mean, is there something else that, um, you know, that has come out from his relatives? There have been, like, some quotes from his relatives here and there, but um have you seen more accounts of what you know what they were thinking or what I know that also her friends have been interviewed as i was saying who said that she was doing this for attention and and so on and yes um you know but even to have continued i mean yes it seems like if the that that i guess he was more That he was more involved with her, or more romantically attached to her, than she was to him. But, um, uh, but I mean, you know where they live in comparison to each other. It it wouldn't be that hard to get a relative to drive you, or a friend to drive you fifty miles, or to take a bus. Oh, right. It's
0: hard to imagine that fifty miles can keep true love right apart. I agree, and especially at that age. So. Uh, I think that, and from what i 've garnered uh, that was her, but she was very clever. she kept him at arm 's length and she uh, gave him just enough, I think, to keep him connected to her, and he believed that she loved him and had her his best interests at heart, which clearly she did not. Uh, I mean, and, when, you know,
2: both of these um, young people were, are, are attractive. You know, she, some of the pictures, though, of her um, in the courtroom, some of they, where they caught her looking um, very, oh, like, you know, sarcastic or snide, or like she's just not taking this whole thing seriously at all. I mean, it kind of, they, they, <laughs> there have been some really good photos that um, have caught her true personality or her true motives and so on because she doesn't really care that she didn't care. Um, you have, I'm sure you've seen though I'm sure you've seen I've them seen, on television. I've seen day. a couple
0: of. I've seen a couple of. It, it, it's interesting. It's interesting that you've made that observation because I have seen a couple of photos and I instantly dislike her. But I don't yeah. know if I instantly dislike her because I know what she did and I read the text that uh-huh. she sent him, encouraging him to kill himself. So that I'm biased, or if she just you know you recognize her for for what she is in the photograph. But aside from that, because certainly attractive and unattractive people commit suicide, I think what we can't forget here is that Conrad was fragile. Let's face it, the kid had some issues. But lots of kids at that age have issues, and you would be surprised how many people (laughs) contemplate suicide. But the very last thing you, you need or want is someone... Realizing that and playing that card and trying to encourage and motivate someone
2: well, to well, kill you,
0: themselves.
2: Well, you know what's, what's really sad is that here he did um, have this, you know, suicide attempt such as it was um, two years approximately before this, this one, um, and he was in a psychiatric hospital, and and I ha- wonder, as a psychiatrist, whether um, he what what follow up he had. In other words, um, did his parents make sure that he continued to be in psychiatric treatment? Um, in other words, you don't just make a suicide attempt, go to a hospital for however long, come out, um, have maybe a month or two more of outpatient psychotherapy, and then go on your merry way. He should have still been in therapy. In other words, if he was still this vulnerable to her, and, and yes, her texts I mean, are literally unrelenting. I mean, they just... Um, and putting him down for not doing it. Do it already. Why aren't you doing it? You're making all these excuses. Um, right. You keep telling me you're going to do she it. He makes
0: it seem like not committing suicide is cowardly on his exactly. part. It, that exactly. it's negative that he's failing to act.
2: Right. And so, um, so um, you know, I wonder, and I don't know, perhaps you've heard of this, whether, whether he was, because if he were in treatment... Um, let's say, once a week with a psychiatrist, and he showed the psychiatrist these texts, Um, you know, something more would have happened. Either he would have been hospitalized, certainly um, the psychiatrist would have encouraged him to tell his parents about this, to stop communicating with her, and so on, some kind of action. Uh, So it leads me to believe that he wasn't, at the time of the suicide, in uh, you know of this last this present suicide that we 're talking about um, that he wasn't in treatment have do you know anything about that
0: i don't know what the status of his treatment was um, i I agree with you that he probably should have been in treatment if he wasn't in treatment, but you know it raises you raise an interesting point because she Michelle kept encouraging him. I mean, you take someone who has made a suicide attempt in the past and, you know, there may be some issues and you have someone relentlessly um, encouraging you to end it and to terminate your life and you wonder what kind of impact that has also. I mean, it's almost an overwhelming question because I I do know from my experience in Bridge End and looking at 99 suicides that it's not uncommon for someone who exhibits suicidal behavior and who has made past suicide attempts to suddenly seem better. But sometimes and oftentimes that's because yes. they have then made a decision I'm going yes. to do it and yes. I'm going to do it next month and yes. then they're out of conflict. So not, and then the people around them think oh they're doing better they seem like right. really. Less conflicted now right
2: right right
0: so um, so i don't so the answer is I don't know because he, he's he's dead, and we can't ask him, right, and, and we can't talk to him, uh, but we can read the messages that his supposed girlfriend was sending him, and the constant barrage of messages to encourage him to end his life, which I feel is just you know if you if you if we Kicked this up a notch and, and uh, brought it to say an issue of drugs. If th- this is would be the same as someone who's been a drug addict and has had a really bad addiction problem. Um, what would we think of someone that handed uh, someone right. a syringe of right. uh, heroin that you know is an overdose and like you hand it here? You want this? Yeah. I mean, what is the culpability? Uh, My feeling is she was intending and attempted to murder him.
2: Yes, I totally agree. And she's on trial for involuntary manslaughter. She's facing up to 20 years in prison. Unfortunately, Massachusetts is one of only 12 states in America where assisted suicide is not a crime. But still, I think she's um, undone herself with her own text. And we'll talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is John Michael Williams. Uh, We're talking about encouraging suicide, and so stay tuned.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about is encouraging suicide a crime? That's because there is currently a case going on in Massachusetts, um, the state of Massachusetts, against Michelle Carter, who uh, essentially um, caused her uh, so-called boyfriend, Conrad Roy III, to um, commit suicide. Um, and yes, you know, it is a question of whether it was actually, I, I mean, it certainly seems to me as though it was involuntary um, manslaughter. In fact, but what's interesting is that her lawyers, her defense lawyers, are, have come up with these outrage- outrageously ridiculous uh, defenses. Um, they're trying to say that Conrad, the young man, was the controlling force, um, and he made, he made the, Michelle um, help him kill himself. Um, He's saying that uh, she was brainwashed into helping him. Um, They're talking about how, um, you know, he he had... Uh, asked her, well, this part was true. He asked her to commit suicide together, like Romeo and Juliet. Obviously, he had this romanticized idea about it. But, um, her unrelenting texts, um, going on during these two years that, uh, they had this relationship, so called, um, by text and email and so on, um, she, he, <laughs> She, it was as if she was. She pulled the gun. In fact, um, once she described for him, did research for him uh, as to how he could commit suicide by, by carbon monoxide poisoning in his truck. Um, there was a time he started to do it, and then he got out of the truck. And while she was still texting him during this whole time. And when he got out of the truck, she persuaded him. He, he was saying, no, I changed my mind. I don't want to do it. She persuaded him to get back in the truck and, uh, and, and follow text. through get with it. Get back in the truck. It went?
0: There there's a text, get back in the truck.
2: Yes, yes. And after he died, um, she wrote his, to a friend, his death is my fault. Like, honestly, I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him and he got out of the car because it was working and he got scared and I told him to get back in because I knew he would do it all over again the next day and I couldn't have him live the way he was living anymore. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't let him. She was just kind of getting bored that he, <laughs> and annoyed that he kept saying um, he was thinking of suicide so she just wanted him to do it already so she didn't have to keep... Uh, uh, but she, then she would say things to him like, "You're finally going to be happy in heaven. No more pain. Uh, it's okay to be scared, and it's normal. I mean, you're about to die. You know, this is." She really does have um, severe psychological problems, and unfortunately, this young man um, there. She was 17 at the time. Um, he's 18, and and troubled, and um, it does show just how vulnerable. Uh, people can be, especially, you know, I I mean, I was saying that they were attractive and so on, but that doesn't, that doesn't, I mean, he was, well, I was particularly thinking about him, that that he didn't need to, that probably he had other girls who were interested in being his girlfriend, but, but, you know, who knows what went on when they met in Florida, maybe they had sex, maybe they had, obviously there was some uh, connection that was forged um, that, that Continued over these two years, albeit just in texts and telephone and, and emails and so on. So, um, so some of these defenses are just really pretty outrageous. There's a piece the defense attorney is saying it was just free speech, um, you know. So, uh, John Michael Williams, why don't you weigh in on this?
0: Well, my, my feeling is that it's it's way more than free speech. Um, I mean there you know, there I have heard people say, Well, if someone told you to rob a bank, would you rob a bank? But that's not a fair comparison because Conrad had a history of some form of depression and mental illness and had already had a previous suicide attempt and as I mentioned earlier, it was already fragile and she used that to manipulate him into killing himself and Really, if you stop and think about it, she should have called 911.
2: Well, when he yeah. Said her, <laughs>
0: it, it, when when he said, I'm going to kill myself, she should have said when, you know, and, and yeah. have gotten him help. Call 911, uh, call the police, call an ambulance, what, what, the fire department, anyone. She could have called his family. So she not only did nothing to help him, she walked him through it. And when he changed his mind and decided not to do it, she called him a coward.
2: Right. I mean, they're saying that, uh, and apparently there are some um, uh, tests where um, about a month before she did suggest that he get help and and go to the same clinic that she was going uh, to, but and he didn't want to do it at that point, but, you know, but then the answer to that is not to just go to him more. Well, let's get into how this compares to, well, why don't you, let's talk about Bridge End and how, um, you got interested in it and what you found there, because, because there are, um, you know, I know that you say that no, in all these people there who committed suicide, suicide and most of them were, uh, teens, um, yep. That there was nothing like this where one team Not convinced one. the other team to to do it, so tell us about bridge end Bridge
0: End is you know kind of the opposite story of this uh, it 's a, uh, a small town two hours west of London in south Wales, and um, you know the bodies of young people were turning up everywhere and uh, there were so many suicides in the town that the government actually put an embargo in the press and a gag order on Parliament for them not to talk about it. it w- they wouldn't write about it in the paper, uh, in any of the media, social media, and it became this quiet little storm that, that was brewing in the, in the UK. But 99 children, you know, kids really between the ages of 12 and 24, were found hanged in this town. They were all friends. They all knew each other. Uh, they all hang themselves. None of them left notes. And what I actually really came to find out doing my research and working with other suicidologists in Europe and in, in America was that, is that suicide is contagious, which mm-hmm. is why the Conrad and Michelle story doesn't sort of fit here. Uh, If you have statistically a parent, a sibling, a child, or a spouse who commits suicide, suicide, the statistic is that there's slightly more than a 50% chance that's how you'll die. So um, what is, I want to say, understandable in Bridge End is it it spread through this town because best friends lost best friends and became depressed and traumatized and then wanted to be with them, and they ended up doing the same thing. So actually what's going on in Massachusetts is an opposite story. This is an isolated incident of a young man who is depressed and vulnerable and meets this girl who uses that against him and convinces him and manipulates him into killing himself. So they're really two very different stories, but I, I did have... I don't want to use the word luxury, but I, I had the advantage with getting to study so many suicides, and I, I never ever saw a family member, a loved one, a friend, anyone who ever did anything but try to discourage, help, intervene, prevent someone from harming themselves, taking their own life. No one tried to um, encourage it, encourage it, or tried to. Seek media retention and
2: do mm-hmm.
0: all the go through the machinations that um, Michelle from Massachusetts went through. After, I mean, you don't encourage your boyfriend to commit suicide for a couple of years, and then when he does, try to organize suicide prevention. I mean, just, yeah. it just feels like it's, it's about her. I mean, honestly, I, 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 I don't know what the solution is with her. I think she needs help. I think the girl is sick. I have two young daughters, approximately that age. The idea that one of them would—it's just so preposterous to me. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I would cut her no slack. I have to be honest with you. With well,
2: this. yes, I definitely think she, she should be found guilty. I mean, there's she and and even by her own um, her own writings. But and you know about that? She wrote to someone before. She texted uh, someone before um, he was dead saying that he had died. Right. You know, Beth, tell Tell us what you know about that. Well, I read that. So, I mean, I don't,
0: I, you know, I don't always believe what I read, but I did read accounts of where she had texted that he had finally done it before he completed it, because she was very convinced the last time he climbed into the truck that he was going to do it. And he said, all right, that's it, and he set everything up, and...
2: Prepared. Well, there are, the t- I mean, I've read the text. There there are actual text evidence um, that she did do this, and the timing is that it was before he actually did die. Oh, yeah. Well, so, what ended up
0: happening is she believed he was doing it. He said, I'll do it. He got everything right. She instructed him how to do it. He went into the truck. He hooked up the the, the, the apparatus and then got scared and got out. But in the meantime, when she thought it was happening, she prematurely texted a friend to say he, he committed suicide, and then he climbed. And which is why I think she had to
2: yes to or make sure he did. To like when he... Him,
0: hey, you have to finish this.
2: Right, right.
0: <laughs> because she had already started telling people he was dead. Right. Her moment um, was yet to. He was preventing her moment,
2: which right. is really
0: bizarre when you think about it. That this is going yes. to be a moment for her, like winning a Miss America competition.
2: Yes, yes, that, um, that people would see that she was a liar and would, you know, yes. Um, but going back to, because before we started, uh, during the, before we started the show, you were telling me about how you wound up um, doing the documentary and going to Bridge End, bringing it back to that, um, and I think that that's very interesting, and if you could then also take us on your journey, like who you contacted, sure. when in Bridge, like how you went about researching this.
0: It's It it, it really was a journey. I had shot a documentary in Massachusetts called The Gloucester 18, which was the story of the 18 Gloucester high school uh, girls who reportedly in the press made a pact to become pregnant. And I also have a music career, and I was playing in Palm Beach, and I got through uh, an event one night, and someone came up to me, and it turned out they were from the U.K., and they said, we hear you do films also. And I said, yes, anything we've heard of. And I was telling them about the pregnancy pact, And they said to me, if you think 18 high school girls making a pact to become pregnant is a story. We live near a town in South Wales where they've found 20 kids, teenagers, who made a pact to kill themselves. Well, it resonated with me because they also told me that they had hanged themselves. And three weeks after I graduated from high school, one of my best friends hanged himself. And I kind of, I think I buried it, but in a certain way never really processed it or mm. got over it. Uh, never saw it coming and it was just a huge surprise. Anyway, to make a long story longer, I decided to go to Wales and check it out. and I ended up staying there in a month, for a month because I kept finding more bodies. And in the first month, we found 39 kids had done this and, it had been there, and there was a massive cover-up and the town was worried about its reputation and it was just pandemic. Um, so that was that was but who did sort you, of my like introduction.
2: Well, you arrived there, and where did you go first? Like, how did you start this uh, research? Well,
0: luckily, one of the first places I went was the police station, and they would not talk to me and basically kicked me out. And the library was just around the corner, so I sort of regrouped and we went into the library and I started looking through obituaries and news stories, trying to see what I could find. But I ended up finding a photograph, and in the photograph were six boys. And I, just through research, came to find out that five of the six boys in the photograph had all hanged themselves. In fact, they were the first group of victims to have hanged themselves in Bridge End. But I realized that there was one boy in the photograph who had not done it, and I went on a mission to find him and I did find him and his name was Justin Beecham, and we became friends and I actually ended up using him in the film to as a narrator and we actually made two films. Uh, Justin introduced me to you know to a lot of the victims' families, and he actually was greatly instrumental in Allowing me to navigate through the town and, and, and the country, just finding these people. And I ended up using him as a narrator and had him all over the film saying, I, could, I, I, I can't believe they did it. I'm devastated. I lost all my friends. I, I can't believe they cared that little about me or their families. I could never hurt my parents like that. I could never do it to my mother. And three weeks after we finished the film, he hanged himself. And I had to go back over, which was, I was, I can't tell you how devastated I was. And I I ended up having to go back over, you know, for the funeral and to figure out what happened to Justin and to shoot more, to just let the audience know that the guy that just narrated the film hanged himself. So it was... It's unbelievable. It, w- it was unbelievable, but suicide is unbelievable. I mean, if you look at, when you really look into it, uh, you know, we're fragile. I don't, I don't have to tell you this. You're, you're a psychiatrist. We live in a country where, you know, if you break your leg uh, or, or, or get cancer, there are support groups, and you can go to the doctor, and they can fix it and set it, and there's sympathy, and there's sort of a, a system in place to take care of us if, if we have a bodily injury. But if you break your heart, or if you're depressed or there's a mental illness or an emotional illness um uh, the help is not as readily available it's not as direct uh, we still live in a society that treats it as a weakness or um you know if you're a boy or a man is a uh, you know maybe as being a baby and not masculine and oh poor you and it's it it, it has to change we you know, we have to change the culture. Um, you know, it, you, we're not, we know, we, we grow up and we're taught you're not supposed to murder people. Well, you know what? We're not supposed to murder ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we're certainly not supposed to encourage the weak to murder themselves. Because then that's participating. I mean, at, at the very least, I mean, to me, I, I wouldn't have charged her with involuntary manslaughter. I would have charged her with attempted murder. And then I would have charged her with second degree murder because she, you know, she didn't take a gun and kill him, mm-hmm, but she mm-hmm. walked him through it. She used
2: well, she you used
0: know, a, this, a, she used a weapon on him. Yes, and the weapon yes. was his state of mind.
2: Yes, just to, to go back to your point about um, mental health services, I just want to make uh, a general comment about that. That yes, are, are everyone, these times are crazier than ever. These are are more chaotic times than ever, and it certainly is stirring people up to to feel as though the end is near, (laughs) to feel as though, um, I mean, I don't mean by suicide necessarily, but, you know, terrorism primarily, um, and just all kinds of other uh, problems, but, you know, there... The mental health system is not really, at this point, um, sufficient to take care of people at the level that they should be taken care of. I mean, yes, it is if you have pri- if you can pay privately and have a private psychiatrist, right. sure. But um, I'm just hearing the music. We need to take another break. I will continue this after the break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is John Michael Williams. We're talking about suicide, and we will be right back.
1: And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: Um, just a brief word about the mental health system. Um, that what I, I think the biggest problem with it is, uh, and I fault my fellow psychiatrists for this, um, too many of them anyway, uh, that over the recent years, um, let's say the last decade in particular, when insurance companies and then, of course, more recently Obamacare, um, forced uh, payment schedules to be so ridiculously low, uh, psychiatrists, many psychiatrists have responded by doing med visits, meaning these 15- to 20-minute sessions where all you do is uh, ask the patient about their symptoms and their side effects, and you give them medication, you send them out the door with a prescription And um, that has caused more suicides and um, deaths uh, than anything. More more breakdowns um, because because the treatment for mental health problems is not just is not any kind of medication. If someone needs a medication, then they obviously need therapy. It's not enough, in other words, to, to have medication that's a Band-Aid. And yes, for some illnesses, um, you may need to take medication for your whole life, but um, that is not a substitute for nor sufficient um, to treat whatever your problem is. It's therapy that's the first um The first responder, so to speak. It's the first um, help that you need, which is to understand your problems. And that's what we're missing in this system. So many, you know, people get drugs, and even even worse, get drugs from their primary care doctor and and you know, antidepressants, for example, and think that they're going to be fine, and they never really address the underlying problem. And I think that it, in what we're talking about today, um, Conrad Roy is, I suspect, one of those people who, unfortunately, was probably given medication when he was in the hospital and, and sent on his way. Um, and, and, and I, and I wonder about Michelle whether she's on any medication or what kind of treatment she's been getting. But in any case, it is not enough to be on medication, and that is the cracks that so many people are fall, are falling through as this nation, as the world actually, but as this nation is getting crazier and crazier because of the things going on in the world. That's my little essay about uh, the mental health system. But I want to go back because I'm dying to know. I want to go back to what you think, what you concluded, getting back to bridge End. What you concluded about whether it... I mean, do you think it could actually be um, a serial killer who is making it look like uh, these people committed suicide?
0: Oh, absolutely not. Definitely not. Because? They were all... uh, They were were clear-cut cases of suicide. And just as an aside, suicide has become so epidemic in the U.K. that they actually changed the law that now you could walk into Kensington Gardens with a megaphone, make an announcement to a 1,000 people that you don't want to live anymore, I want to hang myself, climb to the nearest tree, hang yourself in public. And if you test positive for a single drop of alcohol, Tylenol, acetaminophen, any over-the-counter prescription uh, or drug, your death is ruled death by misadventure. So now the U.K. is claiming our suicide rate has gone way down. They actually have redefined suicide to make the numbers look better. Wow. Because it, it uh, it is such an epidemic. But the answer to the question is this. Suicide is contagious. It is absolutely contagious. And I actually had a suicidologist explain it to me really well one day, especially after I think the best explanation I heard of it, came from um, a Dr. Arthur Cassidy, who's a, a suicidologist in Dublin. And when Justin Beecham died and com- committed suicide, I, I was sort of frustrated. I just don't understand why this is happening. and It just keeps happening. And I didn't see this coming. And he looked at me and he said, John, have you ever been to Mauritius? And I say, I never heard of Mauritius. He said, well, Mauritius is a beautiful island off the coast of Africa, and wealthy Europeans go there in the winter when they can't take the cold and the damp because the weather is beautiful, the beaches are beautiful, the food is wonderful, the people are beautiful, and it's an amazing place. Now, he tells me, the next time you're in Boston and New York, and you're freezing cold and it's snowing, hmm. and someone says to you, oh, well, take a week off, go somewhere nice and warm you might say, hey, maybe I'll go to Mauritius. Mm-hmm. He said that is the exact same thought process that many people go through when they're attempting suicide. If someone you know, someone you love, someone you respect, someone you like, someone you feel you have something in common with yes. commits suicide, if you they save that yourself... Path. Gee, yeah. when they were up against it,
2: right. when the shit
0: hit the fan for them, when they were depressed, when they were de- de- down, right. this is what they did. Maybe right. I should go to Mauritius. Right. Which okay, is why but no, yeah. I was just going to sort of tie the two together, which yeah. is why I feel the Conrad and Michelle story in Massachusetts is so tragic and interesting because she, she,
2: she wouldn't would de- do it.
0: The, she kind of suggested, you know, she, you know, you know, you should go.
2: Right, right. And well, yes, yeah, she should go to Mauritius. I, yes, I get it. And she was saying that, but she was saying that she wouldn't do it. That she wouldn't be Romeo, and she, she wouldn't be Juliet to his Romeo. But, 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 wait, but with Justin, like, I'm sure you must. First of all, you you got to be really. Good friends with him, and so it yeah. really hurt, was much more personal than than the other deaths that were horrendous enough. Right. Um, did you feel guilty that perhaps taking him around with you, um, you know, finding these other bodies or getting him help, having him uh, help you get the trust of the other people in the town so that they would talk to you? Did you did you blame yourself for for it?
0: I didn't blame myself for any of the reasons you just cited, because he begged me once I met him and originally, initially interviewed him. He was unemployed. He begged us, could he help us? He tagged he tagged along with us and kept showing up. It's a hmm. small town for the first two weeks. And then I felt guilty and I felt bad and I ended up giving him a job and, and paying him. Hmm. So I, I didn't, it wasn't, so it didn't, ha- so I didn't feel guilty for that.
2: Uh-huh. He
0: he did become very attached to my crew and I uh, my crew and me and um, he begged us to bring him back to the United States with us. He wanted to continue working with us.
2: Huh. And
0: we liked him enough and were attached enough that we would have but it turned out he had a criminal record. He couldn't leave the UK, huh. he'd gotten in a fight, and someone had been injured. And a, anyway, so the the UK wouldn't let him leave. Huh, so I didn't feel. Guilty. That it was your fault. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't feel guilt about it for that reason. But I'll tell you what, I did feel guilty about, and that is, I felt guilty that I never saw it coming.
2: Uh-huh. I felt guilty that
0: I never dreamed because he was so adamant about his intentions and, and all his diatribes of, I would never do it. I could never do it. I would never do it to my family. I couldn't do it to my mother. I had it done to me. I know how it feels. So I guess, in, and then I, I had this whole other feeling of guilt because there was a part of me, Carol, that felt like I should have maybe seen it coming and why didn't I see it coming? And also secretly, and it had never verbalized this before, when all these parents and girlfriends and boyfriends and siblings of the, the kids in Bridge End who had all hanged themselves, when they would say, no, I never start coming, I was surprised, I was surprised. I would secretly think to myself, well, you couldn't have been that observant. You mm. must have missed the signals. You must not have been paying attention to the signs, at the telltale signs. So when Justin hanged himself, I thought, oh, my God you've been doing nothing but paying attention and why and and you didn't and you Mhm. It. Mm-hmm. So it's scary if somebody is intending on committing suicide and they don't. You know, it's it's scary. It's a which is why it's so important to educate people about not committing suicide that if you're having suicidal thoughts and feeling like you want to, that you talk to people that you get help that unfortunately for in Massachusetts Conrad was connected to Michelle, and she was the opposite of help.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, um, well, is there... You know, yes, even though, like, despite, (laughs) regardless of what I was saying about the mental health system, first of all, let me just make sure we get this in before the show ends, That obviously if you're listening to this and you are feeling suicidal or you know someone who is showing some of the signs, which include things like um, feeling sad, losing interest in things that were, was, were pleasurable for them before um, isolating themselves, giving away their possessions, uh, changing, being changing their personality. Um, giving up having had a number of rejections or a a particular rejection from a girlfriend or a boyfriend or uh, from a school or uh, something having dreams dashed or yes especially if this person uh, is is related you know has a mother or a father or a grandparent or a sibling or somebody who has who did commit suicide they are much more likely to actually go through with it themselves so there is help. What you need to do is to call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. And if someone keeps denying it, but you really think that uh, that they are serious about it, well, first of all, you have to make sure there are no guns. And I mean, the problem is everybody has knives in their house, but that's kind of not a usual way of... of well, other than slitting your wrist, but I mean, um, there are a, a number of ways to commit suicide, but you're just, if if people are paying attention, at least if you suggest that to this person that they get help, that they go to a clinic, I mean, besides if it's an emergency, calling 911 and going to an emergency room, before that point, if you really encourage them to um, go to a therapist and to talk. I mean, that's the thing, not just to get some kind of medication and walk out with a prescription, but to find someone, um, whether it's a social worker or a psychologist, or or if you're fortunate to find a psychiatrist who will actually do therapy with you, not just give you a prescription, that's what you need to do. And, and the, the trick or the aim would be to try to, to catch this early enough like, for example, if Conrad had been, um, you know, if people had been paying attention and or if really if the hospital had been paying attention as well and made sure that he continued with outpatient therapy, um, I mean, that it's, the goal is to, to do it before it gets to the point where the person is in the truck <laughs> and has the carbon monoxide going. Um, Can I take because, it a step
0: further, Carol?
2: Yes, yes.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. Clearly everything you say is, is true. Um, I would add to that that if we're really going to affect future generations and sort of the, the, the years to come, it, to, to finally stop the madness of the, 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 the way the suicide rate has just gone off the charts and how people, you know, every 12 seconds in the United States someone commits suicide. The there's, the only way to deal with it at this point is at a young age we have to teach children we have to we have to talk about it we have to teach young children you teach you teach children don't smoke cigarettes you'll get lung cancer don't drink and drive you'll uh, you you can get killed in a car accident do not take drugs they they will kill you uh, don't smoke cigarettes you'll get lung cancer don't have unprotected sex you can become pregnant or catch a disease. Guess what? You're not supposed to murder people. You're not supposed to murder yourself. If you have a problem, you come to mommy. You come to daddy. You come to the teacher. You go to your guidance counselor. You talk to someone. You don't kill other people. You don't kill yourself. You're not supposed to kill yourself.
2: Yes, I think we
0: have to teach it
2: at an early age. Yes, I Um, really do. There's uh, a saying, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. I mean, that's really the tragedy and all that when people are thinking um, that there is no hope, that there, I don't want to live anymore with all this pain, Um that you know, suicide becomes malicious, you know, becomes attractive. But really, um, after time passes, and you, you, there are ways out, and with help, of course, you can find these ways more easily. But um, you know, when you when you think about people, I mean, um, who have. Had suicidal thoughts or, and plans and who e- may even have made an attempt at suicide, and of course I've come across people like this um, throughout my years as a psychiatrist, when you get them past that hump um, and then they go on to have happy lives... Um, you know, then it turns out that they're really glad that they never actually went through it. I do want to make sure I give you the um, website address of my guest, John Michael Williams, and surprisingly enough, the website is johnmichaelwilliams.com, and I recommend you go there. You can spend a whole day on it. Um, one with his wonderful songs uh, that he's written, but also there's a trailer for Bridge End. Um, there are other books and and films. Uh, he's directed and, and written and so on, and there's just a whole plethora of things that are really very thought-provoking and are very sensitive. So, John, thank you so much, for, for not you. only for being on the show, but for all the work that you do, which is really to, um, to help people to realize that there is a better solution than Mauritius. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I thank you so much for having me on your show, and you keep up all your good work.
2: Well, thank you. Again, that's johnmichaelwilliams.com. Thank you so much, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.